How's it going, everybody? This is Anthony Miranda. A lot of you guys know me as the Arm Scholar, and this is going to be the first episode of the Arm Scholar podcast. This is something that quite a few of you guys have been asking me to do for quite a while. And so now here it is. For those of you who don't want to watch those super quick videos I put out, this is going to be a little bit longer form, a little bit more informal, and just so I can have more of a discussion with a lot of you guys. So for the first episode that I thought I would bring you guys, it would just be more of a kind of walkthrough of my background, how I got into firearms, how I got into the whole 2A world, 2A advocacy, and pretty much how I ended up doing the YouTube channel and how I ended up where I am now to where I have the YouTube channel. I work with Firearms Policy Coalition as a Second Amendment attorney and how I'm just pretty much very much ingrained in the Second Amendment advocacy world. So without further ado, I'm just going to kind of walk you guys through my life, my upbringing, and how I ended up being where I am now. So I think one of the interesting things and how I'm a little bit different from a lot of the other people in the Second Amendment realm is that I did not grow up with the traditional kind of upbringing sorry, the upbringing with uh, firearms in the house. Um, my dad was not super heavy into firearms. He was a correctional officer in the state of California, had firearms, you know, had to qualify and do all of that because of his job. But it wasn't something that we would always go out and shoot guns and go to the range or go hunting or anything like that. So firearms were in the house, but the whole firearms community, shooting, Second Amendment advocacy, all that was not really ingrained in me at a younger age. It wasn't until pretty much college that I really got heavily into firearms, the Second Amendment world, and the whole gun community on YouTube and all of that. So that's kind of like my early childhood. Didn't really have heavy influence of firearms. You know, would go out and shoot every great once in a while, you know, little 22 rifles, stuff like that. But, you know, wasn't really heavily into firearms. And so I think that's a lot different from some other people and a lot of people who are very much heavily into firearms. But I think it kind of gives me unique perspective because, you know, I was not ingrained with firearms in the house. I wasn't taught early on, you know, the importance of self-defense and the Second Amendment. It was something I had to stumble on later on in life. So beyond that, that really just takes me into the next kind of major section of my life. Um, like I said, early childhood, had firearms, would go shoot every once in a while. My dad had firearms, would go shoot every once in a while, but it wasn't something that was heavily in our house. Like I said, it really wasn't until I went to um, undergrad and I went to the University of California, Santa Barbara um, for undergrad and I studied history there got my bachelor's in history. And the reason why I did history, people ask me all the time, why did you pick history? I did like history. I was really good at history, of course, especially now it pays off uh, with what I do a lot and what I talk about a lot. Um, but the main goal always was to go to law school. So when I would talk to counselors in and say, hey, I want to go to law school, you know, I don't just want to go to a four year and just get a bachelor's degree. The plan was to always go to law school. They told me you had a few options. You could take you know, courses for history, you could major in political science, or you could major in some other things like English. They also recommended philosophy. But for me, I just thought philosophy was a complete just waste of time. Um, it does have really good translation over to if you go to law school, because a lot of the logic stuff and primarily a lot of the logic stuff actually helps you with the LSATs. Um, 
But for me, it just was like, if everything went absolutely wrong, the last thing I wanted to do was walk away from undergrad with a bachelor's in philosophy because you can just do absolutely nothing with that. So my thought was at least with a history degree, maybe I could be a history teacher. But again, the goal was always to go to law school. And another thing actually interesting to note that a lot of people don't know is I was the first one in my family to ever go to college. Um, No one, my dad went to... uh, a junior college for like all of two weeks to play baseball and then quit. But as far as like actually graduating from a college and getting a degree, I was the first one. Then my sister did it after me. My older sister did after me. She got a nursing degree. Um, But I was the first one and definitely was the first one to go beyond and to get a law degree. So went to university of California, Santa Barbara. If you don't know anything about UC Santa Barbara, yes, it is a very big party school. I didn't know that at the time. Um, I was a little bit naive. What I ended up doing is I applied to a bunch of schools in the state of California, got into a few, and really I picked Santa Barbara because they offered me the best scholarship package. And so I was very much cognizant of how much, you know, undergrad and going to college was going to cost because I was footing the bill myself. So I didn't want to take on a ton of debt. So they offered me a really good scholarship to where I walked out of undergrad pretty much with no debt. And so that's why I picked Santa Barbara. But I'm very happy with my choice because UC Santa Barbara is an absolutely beautiful campus, amazing school, amazing education, and I got it pretty much for free. So do not regret that decision at all. If anything, um, it's some of the best times of my life. But along with that and the why Santa Barbara and me going to UC Santa Barbara is relevant is because I went during the years when there was a lot going on in Santa Barbara. Um, There were some riots that happened because UC Santa Barbara is a heavy party school. And so there were some incidents where there were some riots because people just um, got way too drunk and, and started to riot during Deltopia. So that happened during my senior year. And also the major thing that's very relevant to why I am the way that I am and why I'm a second amendment advocate and kind of got introduced to the gun world was because during my senior year, there was also a mass shooting, or I know a lot of people don't like that term, but there was a shooting at the school. And it was an individual who went to Santa Barbara. Actually, he didn't even go to Santa Barbara. He went to one of the junior colleges that was close by, um, but he was just a psycho. Um, Had a lot of uh, mental health issues, clearly. There are some videos that you can find out there. of He has the reason why he went around to shoot people. Um, just a complete psychopath. And, um, yeah, if you guys want to look further into that, you can definitely do that, but I just don't want to give that individual any more attention than he deserves. But there was a shooting that happened my senior year. Um, and it was a very high profile shooting. And because of that shooting, there was a lot of discussion that started to pop up in the state of California. Some legislation was passed because of that shooting in the state of California. And also there was just general discussion amongst my friends and the community in Santa Barbara about firearms, gun control, gun laws in the state of California, and various things like we need to restrict access to firearms. And like I said, at this time, I was not big into firearms. Um, You know, I didn't have a huge upbringing in firearms. And I think one thing that's different for me is I am a lifetime learner and I'm very curious about a lot of things and I really like to learn things. Um, So when the whole discussion popped up about gun control and we need to do more in the state of California, I'm a little bit different because I don't like to speak on things I don't haven't even educated myself on. 
So out of that, what I decided to do is to educate myself. I didn't think it was right for me to have a big opinion on gun control in California when I didn't even understand what laws were on the books in the state of California. And again, one of the things is I was always intending to go to law school. So I was already curious about a lot of those things, um, about laws and legislation and politics and all that. So I decided to educate myself. And I, I remember during this time was when I got heavily into YouTube because one of the avenues that I tried to educate myself through was watching YouTube and watching YouTube videos about California gun laws or just guns in general, because I had no basis to understand what firearms were legal. Um, you know, didn't really understand what an AR 15 was or what various handguns were that were being discussed. So I just decided to educate myself. And this is kind of the first time that I really got into the firearms community, the gun community on YouTube and really got into YouTube, um, in the first place, because this is around, um, 2013, 2014, I believe. So YouTube definitely wasn't as big as it is now. It was big and a lot of people watch YouTube and I watched YouTube, but um, this was kind of the, I would say the area and the, of time when YouTube really started to get big and you started to have really big names in the YouTube community and become who, who became famous and not so much in the gun world. I mean, there are guys who've been around you know, on YouTube since its inception. But again, this is the time I really got into YouTube and I really got into watching those gun guys on YouTube. And like a lot of you guys, I'm sure the first person I was introduced to first couple people I was introduced to were people like Hickok 45 and Iraq veteran 8888. And that's when Barry was still on the channel before he passed away, you know, and I watched things like gun gripes. And I really think it was actually probably an Iraq veteran video that I first got into the gun community through because they would do those gun gripes. And I think there was a video on like California gun laws and they were doing a gun gripes on it. And I think that's the first video that like popped up when I looked up California gun laws. I, I think that's correct. I think it was around that time. So those guys are the ones who first got me into firearms in the gun community. And from there, you know, I would watch people like nothing fancy, um, you know, he does those uh, feature length videos. I still watch nothing fancy every once in a while. I still watch people like Iraq veteran Hickok. Um, and then from there, it just took off, you know, started to pretty much watch anybody and everybody. And I think actually that's a little bit where I'm different from other people too, is I was a very big fan of the gun YouTube community before I ever even got involved in it. You know, I would watch a lot of guys that I've got to meet now, uh, religiously, um, and it's, it's kind of weird because I went from the position that probably a lot of you guys are where you guys are fans of me. Um, you're fans of other guys on the gun, you know, YouTube, the gun tubers, um, you guys enjoy watching and I'm, I'm still the same way. I still enjoy watching a lot of these guys content. I'm still a huge fan of people like Garantham. I watch people like Jared from guns and gadgets, even though he does stuff similar to me, I still even watch his content because I watched it before. Um, people like Jonathan from tactical toolbox. I watch his stuff, my favorite. And a lot of people have mixed feelings about this individual because, um, they say he shifted a little bit away, but I still watch talent Sai religiously. Um, he's probably one of my favorite guys. I just like his perspective on life. I think he does some really interesting things. That's a little bit different from just purely gun content. I mean, you can tell that he's really enjoying what he's doing and doing the whole van life stuff. And that just intrigues me. But 
yeah, I watch a lot of guys. If you guys could think of a name in the gun world, I probably watch them. Um, there's some guys I don't watch religiously, but I still do watch them. Um, so yeah, that was the time period, 2014, you know, the Isla Vista shootings. That's when I first really got into firearms, the gun community and educating myself about that. And like a lot of you guys know, once you get into firearms, the, you know, gun community, learning about firearms, geeking out about them, it's pretty much over. It's like you catch this bug and it only escalates from there. So really, you know, I've been on a unique path and it's been a very um, fast exponential growth path because, you know, a lot of you guys have been into firearms your whole life, but really I got into firearms heavily in 2013, 2014. So it's only been about, you know, seven years since I've really been educating myself heavily about various guns and laws and all of that. So, you know, the Isla Vista shootings, that was the inception. I even have a video talking about a lot of that. Um, you know, I don't want to talk too much about the incident and what that all involved. I think one thing it's important for me to note, it's in no way was I directly affected by that mass shooting. Um, you know, I wasn't, you know, in the line of fire of that individual. Um, he did kill multiple people. You know, he killed his roommates. He stabbed them to death. Um, he shot a few people and then he also ran over a bunch of people in his car as well. So he did injure and kill quite a few people and it was a very big deal. And there's still a lot of every year, there's an anniversary of those Isla Vista shootings where people go and surf and, and put like flowers and lights out into the ocean right there on Santa Barbara because the campus is right on the ocean. So it's still a very big deal in Santa Barbara. You know, they still, you know, they still recognize it every single year. Um, but in no way was I affected by it. And me and my friends, we, that night we were actually just hanging out in the little apartment that we had. And, you know, just like everybody else, you know, we were planning on going out that night. I, I, I want to say it was probably a weekend. Um, and I know we had plans to go out to the movies. We were going to watch like an X-Men movie or something stupid. Um, and I just remember, you know, it was probably like eight o'clock or something like that. And we just started to see, you know, police officers go by, which wasn't out of the ordinary in Santa Barbara, because you would hear, especially on weekends, because it's a heavy party school, big party school, you would hear ambulances and uh, police vehicles all the time. Every weekend, someone got overdrunk, passed out or hurt themselves at a party or, or something bad would happen. And you would hear, you know, police go by all the time. So it wasn't super out of the ordinary until, you know, it was one police officer, then another, then another, then another, then another, and they just kept coming. Then fire trucks and ambulance and, you know, I don't even know how many went by. And that's when we kind of knew it was weird, um, that something weird was going on. Um, and interesting enough, and I, I remember talking to about this in law school, actually, um, in a law school class, because we were talking about, like, I was in a higher education law class, and we were talking about things like mass shootings and what, what's the responsibility of universities and all that. But one of the interesting things is we did not become aware of what was going on through the university until like the next morning, you know, they put out a notice um, that there's an active shooter or, or whatever. You know, we found out actually first from friends, initially friends were texting that, you know, there's a gang shooting 
um, you know, two gangs are fighting each other. And, it, and so everybody thought it was some sort of gang shooting, which is weird because it's Isla Vista. And if you know that area, you know, it's just complete kind of school area. It's a little town attached right to the university. Um, so people were saying it was a gang shooting. And then slowly information started to trickle in through text message that um, it was an individual who was, you know, engaging in an active shooting and a mass shooting was shooting some people and that firearms were involved. And then I remember we were watching the news as well. The local news trying to get some information and some information was kind of trickling in through the news. But I would say actually the students found out first who the individual was and what was really going on, because I would say within, you know, an hour of everything really starting to take off is when the, this individual who went around shooting people, he had made a YouTube video the day before saying that he was going to do this. And then all of a sudden through YouTube, the video started to get spread around to all of us. And we would all see the shooting and we're like, Oh, that's gotta be what's going on. This has gotta be the guy. And, you know, we started to have reports from friends who were closer to the area of the shooting and saying, yeah, there's definitely a shooting going on. And, um, the individual ended up crashing in his uh, vehicle on the main road, uh, Del Playa, which is like the main party street, right? Runs, runs parallel to the ocean where all the fraternities and party houses are. So he ended up going down that road, I guess, trying to hurt more people, um, ended up, I think he got shot and then and crashed and then shot himself, which, um, it's ridiculous that these people always engage in these shootings and they take the coward's way out. Um, I wish he would have definitely got what he deserved, but at least he's not on this planet anymore, but beyond the point. Um, yeah, so that's kind of the situation that happened and that's, you know, how I got involved in it. And like I said, I just dug deep and heavy into the firearms world in the YouTube world, got introduced to both firearms and YouTube at the same time. And that's, that's also the reason of how I got into firearms is one of the reasons why I decided also to start my own YouTube channel is because I educated myself through YouTube. A lot of people say, you know, YouTube is dumb, but uh, there's a lot of very, very, very good education and as well as entertainment on YouTube. And I educated myself initially through YouTube. Now, YouTube is not the end all be all. Like I tell you guys a lot in my videos, you know, go double check the stuff I say or other people say, you know, check the sources for yourself. Um, go beyond what just the videos say, because even with my videos, I can't include everything that I want to talk about in the videos because I have to make them short, digestible, entertaining to you guys um, in a way that brings you value. But sometimes, you know, I do recommend you guys go beyond that, you know, look up the sources for yourself, read the court cases for yourself um, because there's a lot more information on those resources than I can put in a video. But that doesn't mean that YouTube is not valuable. And I knew when I started my YouTube channel that I wanted to educate people however I could through using YouTube. So that was part of the decision of why I started to do YouTube, but that's kind of a little bit down the road. So that kind of undergrad is how I got into firearms. Now from there, uh, really what happened is um, I got more into the firearms world. My dad, because of me being interested into firearms, he got more into firearms as well. You, we go shooting more together. Um, you know, just do a lot more of those traditional father son things. So as I got more into firearms, he got more into firearms along this time period as well. I got more into prepping and this was kind of that time period as well 
that, you know, a lot of those survival videos and TV shows were very prevalent. Um, you know, the doomsday prepper and all that stuff. So I got heavy into firearms, heavy into prepping. But all all during this time period, you know, undergrad, right after undergrad, you know, prepping for LSATs, the whole goal was to go to law school and to become an attorney. That was my goal. It's a goal I had for a very long time. And then I took the LSATs, did all that stuff. And then I got into law school and I went into and I went to uh, Penn State Law University Park. So I moved from California to Pennsylvania. And to kind of show you the difference of thought that happened really quick um, from undergrad to law school, this is, you know, short two year period. Um, I specifically remember when I was deciding whether or not I wanted to move to Pennsylvania and go to Penn State for law school, I remember looking at what the gun laws were like in Pennsylvania. Because like I said, during this period, I educated myself, I learned all about California gun laws, what I could do, what I couldn't do, and I just realized that I was living in one of the worst states ever for gun rights. And so I wanted to get away from that. And so I remember what I was looking at and trying to decide, um, you know, where I was going to move, where I was going to live, go to law school, because I knew I wanted to go out of state. Um, I remember looking at Pennsylvania and seeing, you know, their gun laws are a lot better than California's. Not perfect, but we're a lot better. And I would have a lot more options available to me. So I did decide to go to Penn State. Now, one of the caveats I want to say right here, because I do get asked this question a lot. Um, I get asked a lot from people um, who tell me, hey, I want to go to law school. What do you recommend? Or I want to be a Second Amendment attorney like you. Or I want to be a firearms attorney. Or I want to be in the firearms industry just like you. Um, what would you recommend to me? And my recommendation to people would be do not go to law school unless you really know that's what you want to do. Um, I saw plenty of people who were in my classes who went to law school because they couldn't think of what else they wanted to do with their life. And I think if that's your reason for going to law school, just because, you know, being an attorney is a good job, it's, it's a profession, it's a respectable profession. I think if that's your rationale for going to law school, you're going to hate it. And there were plenty of people who dropped out really early in the first year um, because they hated it. And even me, who knew the whole time, you know, going through high school, undergrad, I knew I wanted to go to law school and become an attorney. Even me, I hated law school. I hated law school because it is not like undergrad. I think a lot of people have misconceptions. Law school is kind of like a job. It is stressful. There is a lot of anxiety attached to it um, because you're constantly being um, compared to the other people in your classes. There's ranking, super stressful. The classes aren't like you can just go and zone out like an undergrad. Now, this could be a little bit different because I did, it's not like I went to a horrible law school. It's not like I went to an amazing law school, but I did still go to a top 100 ranked law school. Um, and they do what's called the Socratic method. So, you know, you go to class and you get called on and it's pretty much your show for the class and you're going to get grilled for the next, you know, 30 minutes to an hour by this professor who's been teaching this course and whatever case you're called on, He's been teaching that for the last 20 years and he knows all the ins and outs and arguments he's heard every single 
you know, kid analyzed it in every which way. And he's read all the various papers that have been written on this specific case. And he's just going to grill you and make you look like a fool. Or she's going to grill you and make you look like a fool for the next 30 to an hour uh, of class in front of all your friends. You get over it a little bit. You know, by the time you're in your third year, you're just completely over it. It's, it's whatever. Um, but especially for that first year and for those first few months, it is stressful. Um, you know, but I still, I loved law school. Um, I would never go back to law school. If you, you couldn't pay me to go back to law school. Um, <laughs> actually that's not true. I mean, I'm sure you could pay me to go back to law school. I'm sure there's a certain amount of money that someone would say, yeah, I would pay you X amount to go back to law school. And I would, because again, it's not, it's not that hard. It's, it's school. So, um, I'm not, not saying that it's like the hardest thing I've ever done in my life, but it is, it was stressful. I would much rather go back to undergrad because undergrad was so much more fun. Um, but yeah, so in law school, you know, still was into firearms. I, the one regret I have now is I didn't join any of the clubs really that involved second amendment advocacy. There were some kind of clubs that got started, um, by some people now who've reached out after the fact, um, who've seen what I do now and what I do on YouTube and are like, man, why did you not join the club? And it's because I'm very much an introverted person. Um, even all throughout law school, one of the saving graces was that I had my wife with me. Uh, she was my wife at the time, but she did follow me from California to Pennsylvania, lived with me, uh, for the three years over there in Pennsylvania. And she makes me much, she gets me out of my shell. So that was one of the really good things. Cause I wouldn't even probably had any friends, um, in law school, if it wasn't for her, because she's the one who became friends with all the people in law school and through kind of proxy, all of a sudden I became friends with them and we're still really good friends. And I'm going to be going down to one of their weddings here really soon in San Diego, um, and hang out with all of them again. So we're all still really good friends, but, um, yeah, through law school, still very much interested in firearms in second amendment law. Um, but when it comes to law school and I've talked about this on a few different videos, um, you do required courses your first year. One of those required courses is constitutional law. And you cover all of the main cases that the Supreme Court has covered pretty much when it comes to constitutional law. Um, and you do, at least for me, I did have a section on Second Amendment law. But that only included about half of a day. And it only included really three cases. You know, it covered Heller, McDonald, and Miller. That was it. Um, and the professor just asked some quick questions and, you know, 30 minutes in, that was it. You were done with it. And he would say, I think he just said, you know, that's all we really have on it. You know, the Supreme court has refused to take any other cases because it's, you know, such a political question. Um, and then we moved on from whatever it was. But I remember when I was reading the con law book, um, I was super interested in Heller. I had already read Heller and McDonald and all those by that time, but, I was stoked for that class. And when we got there, that class, I was hoping I would get called on. I raised my hand to be called on. Didn't get called on, which I was sad about. Someone else got called on. Um, but then I was a little bit depressed because we didn't really get to have a whole lot of discussion about firearms and, and you know, the Second Amendment and the rights and what the framers intended um, when they protected our right to keep and bear arms in the Second Amendment. Um, so I was a little bummed up, bummed out about that. And really, I think at that point, it, it made it very clear to me that the second amendment's treatment, especially in the legal world, it really is like a second class, right? Like 
like Clarence Thomas has said, um, when it comes to law schools, when it comes to how other attorneys treat it, um, it really is treated like a second class right, which it is not. Um, it is a fundamental right. It is your right to defend yourself or other individuals. And it is also your right to defend yourself and other individuals from a tyrannical government. Um, now, at this time, I did not think at all that I would practice Second Amendment law. So this is also one of those really interesting things. You know, people reach out to me all the time and say, I want to practice Second Amendment law. How do I go about doing that? And the reality is, and it's very sad to say, there is not very many opportunities out there for you. Um, I just got really lucky and I'm really blessed to have been put in the position that I am now, but that's really because I took the initiative because I was passionate about this topic. I was passionate about firearms and I did something on my spare time, but in no way during law school did I think, you know, I'm going to leave law school and practice, you know, firearms law or, and be a second amendment advocate. In no way did I think that. Um, the only real Second Amendment attorney that I knew of during the time, and I guess he's not really a Second Amendment attorney, he's an attorney who had a YouTube channel and talked about, you know, firearms and, and gun rights. And that's not a knock on him by any means, because I'm a huge fan of him, but that's Colyon Noir. And during this time when I was in law school, you know, I watched a lot of Colyon Noir, of course, because I was interested in what he was talking about. And that was also the period of time when he was with the NRA. And we did all those... NRA shows, um, you know, he did the noir series, which I, I loved very high production value. I really enjoyed watching those, but that's the only individual I knew. So coming out of law school, you know, I did know some people who liked guns and a lot of people knew me in some aspect in law school that I liked guns and that I was a gun guy. And I got to experience a lot more freedoms for sure. When I was in Pennsylvania, I mean, there were more, there was more ammunition in the Walmart than I've ever seen at any gun store in California. That's how drastic of a difference it is from California to any other state. And some of my biggest regrets, which a lot of you guys in California know, is that I did not purchase more firearms when I was in Pennsylvania um, so that I could have them transferred over here into California when I left Pennsylvania. Primarily that was because I really didn't intend to come back to California. Um, I had planned to do some other things, but I ended up coming back to California mainly because my father's health was a little bit iffy when I was in law school. We had been away from family for three years. And my wife and I decided that, you know, we were going to come back to California, be with our family. And then I was presented a job opportunity in my hometown to work with a local firm, which I did end up taking. Um, so that's kind of the law school route. Still was heavily involved and interested into firearms, but by no means, by no means did I ever think or ever plan that it would end up like how it is now. So now this kind of takes me into the interesting, the more interesting part of this story that I think a lot of you guys would be more interested in. It's, you know, how did I start the YouTube channel and how did I end up to where I am now to where I have the YouTube channel, have some sort of following, I guess. Um, people actually interested in what I have to say. Um, I'm still baffled by that. I don't know why anybody would be interested in what I have to say, but you know, I've, I've built a following on YouTube and I get a lot of amazing opportunities and you know, how did I end up where I am? So 
really was just dumb luck. I don't really know how to say it any better or just the grace of God. But like I said, you know, I moved back to California, took the California bar, passed it the first time, which if you know, you know, that's a huge deal um, because the California bar is the hardest bar in the nation to pass. Um, its pass rate is super low, especially for first first timers, and then gets even worse as you go. Um, for retakers, it gets it gets worse and worse. So passed it the first time, joined a local firm in my hometown, um, which was an awesome op- awesome opportunity. It's an, it was an amazing firm, and my decision when I decided to leave them had nothing to do with my um, criticism of the firm or anything. I loved working with the people there. They were very passionate about what they did, and it was an amazing firm. Um, and a little bit of a discussion later is when they did find out about that, I had a YouTube channel. They were all for it, which I think is a little bit unheard of. And to, to their credit, specifically to one of the partners credit, when he found out about it, he was like my biggest advocate for like, yes, you have to pursue this. Um, because he understood the value of what I was doing and, and what it, what it meant. Um, so yeah, I joined that firm and I worked for them for, um, say like it was like two, almost three years. Um, and during this time, you know, my wife and I were married at this point and she started to work with uh, a company and the company required her to have to go travel around. And a lot of times she would have to travel out of state. So she would be gone for sometimes a week, two weeks at a time. Um, so that would mean, you know, I would go to work, work all day, come home and just be by myself watch Netflix, watch YouTube, a lot of YouTube, a lot of gun content, go to bed, rinse and repeat. Um, and eventually just what happened is, you know, I ran through all the Netflix shows I would want to watch. I was bored, um, by myself and there was really one main catalyst. I was always interested in YouTube. I was really interested in like the gun tuber guys. Like I said, I was a big fan of a lot of these guys. Uh, just like probably a lot of you guys are, are fans of me and other people or followers of me and other people. So I was always interested in kind of the gun community world, but really the main catalyst for it was one YouTuber's video. And it was a YouTuber. I've already mentioned him. His name was Jonathan from Tactical Toolbox. And he made a video, a video series actually about being a gun tuber and how do you become a gun tuber? What is it like to be a gun tuber? How do you start a YouTube channel? Um, and for whatever reason, I was like, I watched that and I was like, man, that doesn't seem too hard. You know, I really like gun content. I, I really, I think I have a, an interesting perspective to add to people to add to the gun community world. And it wasn't me being like, oh, I have some something of value. It just was, one, I was super bored. I'm a nerd and, you know, I get focused on something and then I just have to learn all about it. And for whatever reason, when I watched that video, it captivated me and I wanted to learn about what it is to be a YouTuber. I wanted to learn everything. I wanted to learn how to do it. Um, definitely didn't think it would ever end up anywhere where it is now. But I decided, you know what? Um, I'm going to try it. He made it pretty sound, pretty simple, you know, just, and the big advice that, you know, he gave me through that video and that I give a lot of people now as well. And I, you hear kind of said all the time when people ask, you know, I want to make a YouTube channel. What, what would you say to me? And my answer to those people is just do it. Your first videos are going to be horrible. Um, you're not going to know what you're going to be doing. You don't know at all what you're doing. You're going to stumble all over yourself. 
your editing is going to be horrible, your thumbnails are going to be horrible, and you're going to get probably zero views. But just do it. You, you're it, talking about stuff just doesn't ever lead to anything. At some point, you got to take the leap, and that doesn't mean you go and buy, you know, thousands of dollars worth of gear. The setups that I have now, you know, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't buy till a few months ago. You know, when I first started, I just had a camera that was my wife's. It was an older camera. It was like a Canon Rebel T5, but it didn't even have a flip out screen. I had to run a wire into my laptop to use it as my display screen. And my camera was propped up on the stove. And I was in the kitchen of our apartment, horrible, like acoustics. The visual was horrible. My presentation was horrible. My presentation, all that stuff's so horrible now, but it's better than what it, what it was then. Um, but yeah, that's just kind of how I got started. And um, I knew I'd want to talk about gun laws and guns, but I didn't really have a plan. I thought maybe I would do some gun reviews. And I've never really done that, mainly because I don't think that's the value I have to add to people. Um, but yeah, I just got started and never really thought it would lead to anything. And, you know, I just did it while my wife was traveling because I was bored. And I had a couple of videos that took off. I was really fortunate. I had a couple of videos that took off um, maybe a few months in. Weren't anything crazy, you know, maybe 20,000 views, um, which is still really good when you're only like three months in. But I remember, I think I started, I started in July of 2019. And come December of 2019, I don't think, I didn't film a single video December 2019. And I had pretty much decided that I was going to quit it. Wasn't going to do YouTube anymore. Um, mainly because just my wife was not traveling anymore. You know, work was busy. Um, you know, and it wasn't anything about like the analytics or anything like that. But, you know, it wasn't like I had blown up yet. Um, so I didn't make a single video at all in December. And then, you know, New Year's rolls around. And I remember one of my resolutions was like, you know, I'm going to start the YouTube channel again. You know, I'm not going to quit just yet. So I started it up again in January and it started to gain a little traction. I do know that in January of 2020, I had like 5,000 subscribers come end of January, which is really good considering I'd only been doing it for, you know, four, four months-ish. Um, and then kind of the rest is history, you know. Continue to make videos, slowly continue to grow. A lot of you guys saw value in what I was talking about on my channel. And it just continued to grow and grow. And especially one of the things too is, you know, with 2020, the way that things were in America and our society, you know, firearms and firearms ownership was definitely thrust into the forefront because there were so many new gun owners out there in California and just beyond. Um, so yeah, the channel grew, um, you know, definitely didn't, definitely didn't think it would end up anywhere near what it is now kind of go back to you know I said I was working still at this firm uh eventually um it got big enough to where people were starting to find out because I didn't tell anybody um the only person my wife didn't even know the first like you know maybe month I was doing it uh because she was traveling and I just you know would do it when she wasn't there so my wife the first month didn't even know of course eventually I told her and she found out and my dad knew from day one was always super supportive. And so those were really the only people I told. Didn't tell my in-laws. Um, who and my mother-in-law is probably one of my biggest supporters now. 
but didn't tell any of them, didn't tell my sister, didn't tell my work, which was really risky not telling my work. And my thought process is it didn't really matter because I wasn't very big. But then it started to get big and I didn't know how to tell them. You know, I think at the point of where, you know, one of the partners found out about it because it just showed up randomly on his YouTube feed when he was watching something, I would say probably around then I was maybe at like 60,000 subscribers. And he just comes into my office one morning. He's like, hey, so when were you going to tell me that you have a YouTube channel? And I was just like, I was probably like pale white. <laughs> I, I think we talked about it. I was just like pale white. And I thought I was like, oh, I'm getting fired today. Um, but he was like, yeah, it's really cool. Like we need to talk about that. I think we can, you know, do some stuff with it and um, find out a way to, you know, to help you do this. And, and so they were really cool about it. And like I said, they were, they were really cool about the YouTube channel. Um, but yeah, so, you know, 2020 went on and, you know, my dad passed away in 2020 because of all the COVID stuff. Um, and in November, 2020 is when I officially joined Firearms Palsy Coalition. And that was purely because of the YouTube channel. You know, they became aware of me because of the YouTube channel and I was blessed enough to join them and join their legal team. Um, and so that's, that that's also can show you guys just how one powerful YouTube is if you are interested in, in doing YouTube yourself. Um, but also just like completely, I say I'm just lucky and blessed just how lucky I am because it's very unconventional what I've gotten to do through YouTube and the opportunities I've had because of YouTube. And since then it's just continued to take off. You know, in January I got to go um, to the Gundy's, um, I got to go out to Texas cause I was nominated in one of the categories and was in the top four for one of the categories for most influential male of the year, um, which was really awesome. And I got to go, you know, to Texas and I got to meet a lot of these gun guys, these gun tubers that I had followed for a really long time. And I got to be kind of the fanboy, and I got to like super geeked out. You know, I, I met Jared from guns and gadgets, super good guy. We're, we're good friends now and we text back and forth, but Got to meet Jared, and I remember I was, like, all anxious when I saw him in the parking lot when me and my wife f first pulled up. Um, super cool guy, but I got to meet people like Chris from Honest Outlaw, the guys from Pew Pew View, um, and then I got to meet a whole lot of other guys, like Mike from Mr. Guns and Gear, and then the one that was really big to me that I thought was really cool is I got to meet Jonathan from Tactical Toolbox there at the Gundy's, and I got to tell him, like, hey, like, you know, I'm here. Even at this time, I wasn't big. I probably only had, like know, maybe 60,000 subscribers, something like that. But I got to tell him like, Hey, you know, I am here because of you, because that video you put out and he was a really nice guy. I've talked to him a little bit, you know, through text here and there, but it was just really cool to like say, Hey, you know, your video influenced me. I'm making videos now and I get to bring education to people. And it's because you decided to put out that video. And that's kind of been the whole goal with the channel is, you know, I got into the firearms, you know, community to a advocacy through YouTube. And I just want to bring that back to people, bring education back to people to educate people and to get people interested in this community, in the second amendment, so that we can have more people join this community and advocate for it and advocate for our rights. So that's been the whole goal with it. And yeah, since then, you know, 2021, we're still in 2021. It's continued to grow. We've reached over a hundred thousand subscribers this year, which was absolutely insane. Never would have thought ever that I would reach a hundred thousand subscribers. It's one of those kind of goals you have. Um, once you kind of get some traction, you're like, well, maybe, maybe I'll reach a hundred thousand. Um, 
you know, and you kind of put it up on that pedestal, but you know, you reach it and you realize, eh, you know, it wasn't that big of a deal. Um, I don't know why I put so much emphasis on it. Um, but yeah, I think in May of this year, I reached a hundred thousand and, you know, we just are continuing to grow. We're, you know, about 170,000 plus right now. And, um, hopefully we'll reach 200,000 by the end of the year. That's kind of been one of the back, back of my mind goals, but more than anything, it's just been able to, it's been amazing just to be building community, getting to engage with people, get to talk about things I'm passionate about. Um, things that I didn't never thought people would be even interested in listening and learning about like case laws and listen to some boring guy talk about laws and cases. Um, but it's been really amazing. You guys have really shown me a lot of support and I cannot thank you enough for that. And I've gotten to do really cool things like do the armed May event back, um, in May and go down to San Bernardino and meet, you know, 3000 people who came to that event, uh, who were coming to meet me and Reno May and, you know, get to shake hands and talk to a lot of you guys. It's just been absolutely amazing. Like I said, it's, I, I, a lot of people ask me, you know, how can I do what you're doing? And I think anybody can do what I do, but a lot of it is just, I think just being lucky and, and being blessed and, um, just being super fortunate. And it's a weird world world. I, I tell my wife all the time, I think we just have been thrown into, you know, some sort of alternate reality where this is my life. And I think a lot of you guys who met me when I went to the um, Armed in May event, if you talked to me, I kept saying like, you know, what is my life? Like I, that was something I just kept repeating to people is like, I, what is my life? It's, it's been a really big blessing. So I cannot thank you guys enough for all of your support. For those of you guys who support me so much that you would want to listen to a longer form discussion like this. Um, a lot of you guys asked for me to do a podcast. Um, so this is just kind of the inaugural podcast. And I thought I would just kind of take you guys through my journey and the overall goal is just to give you an idea, a little bit more of who I am, where I came from, how I got into this community, how I got into two-way advocacy, and also just to tell you guys how fortunate I am and how much I have to thank you guys for all the support you've shown me. So thank you guys for listening. I'm going to be hoping to do at least a podcast every single week. Um, if you guys have any recommendations, you know, DM me, drop in the comment sections of videos or or however, you can email me any topics that you guys have in mind. I, I'm hoping to bring on some other guests as well. I know a lot of people talked about, you know, Reno May. My hope is, yeah, to get Reno May on. A lot of other gun tubers as well, so we can just kind of have discussions and you guys can get to know us a little bit more. Um, so, yes, thank you guys for supporting. And, you know, here's to having more podcasts, more episodes, and more discussions with you guys. And also one thing I want to mention is that if you guys want to support what I'm doing here on the podcast, I guess the best thing for the analytics over here on podcast is for you guys to leave reviews. So leave reviews however you think was, you know, best supporting the channel. Um, I really appreciate that. And so as always, thank you all for watching. And never forget, this nation was built by armed scholars, and this nation will be maintained by armed scholars.